Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks. I'm your host, Kate Hudson-Hall, and thank you for listening. Now, this is a platform for people to share relatable and uplifting and inspiring conversations based on an eating disorder, and episodes will include their personal stories of what they've been through with their struggles with their eating disorder, and also we talk to people that help others with eating disorders, so it's very exciting, and I wanted to just tell you about my coloring books if you hadn't heard about them, so they are out now on Amazon. And there is a bulimia, an anorexia, a binge eating, and also an anxiety stress relieving coloring book. And they have 35 plus relaxing, easy to color patterns with inspiring quotes of wisdom. And then on the opposite page, there is motivational questions that you can ask yourself and learn from with regards to that quote that's going to help you move forward in your recovery. So it was very therapeutic for me to make these and I hope that you enjoy them and would like to check them out on Amazon. So if you just put my name into Amazon, they will come up. And also as a therapist, I created a free Bulimia Sucks course to help you to get started on your recovery path. So if you go to my website, you can find out more about that, which is katehudson-hall.com. And I have a sign-up form, so which will take you straight to the course. So check that out also. Now our guest today, I'm very excited, is Dawn Kakao. Now Dawn is an author, and a nutritional therapist. And she knows from experience how hard it is to eat healthily when your body is just telling you to reach out for those cookies. But it doesn't have to be that way. She helps her clients bring their bodies into balance to reduce or eliminate cravings and the desire to overeat. You don't need massive willpower to eat healthily. So we're going to be talking about that. And Dawn is also going to share with us her own struggles with an eating disorder and talk about nutritional thoughts, talk about nutrition and what we can learn about nutrition to help us to help all of us in our in our lifestyles and our forward steps in our recovery and also Dawn is going to be talking about her recently launched 
best-selling book, The Body Effect. So welcome, Dawn. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Kate. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you. So let's start off. Now, do you have a funny story that you could share with us? Well, I have quite a lot of funny stories around food, but there's one that still makes me smile. Some years ago, I went into my local supermarket and the manager came over to me and said, can I help you? I thought, well, this is strange. You don't normally get this service in a supermarket. (laughs) So I was a little baffled and I said to him, well, you could get me some onions. So he looked at me really surprised, but off he went and he came back with the onions and then we got talking and it turned out that he thought I was the auditor, (laughs) not a shopper. Oh, darn it. You could have got him to do all your shopping for you. <laughs> I should have given him a longer list to start with, shouldn't I? So just handed him the whole list and said, oh, I'll see you in the cafe when you've got my shopping for me. <laughs> yeah, can you pay for it as well? <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So let's begin by, so tell us about when you had your eating disorder and how you got through that and, um, and how you worked through your recovery pathway. Okay, so for me, it all really started when I was about 12. I was at boarding school in England. I wasn't overweight. I didn't feel overweight, um, but I wasn't very happy. And so about a week before half term, I decided to stop eating. I didn't know anything about food. I didn't know anything about nutrition, but I just started eating very little. And then I went back to see my family for half term. And of course, they noticed I'd lost weight, but I I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't really understand what was going on. It was obviously a cry for help. And so I just said the school at food was horrible. But that half term, for the first time ever, I was overeating. I mean, my poor body was, was half starved. So I regained the weight I'd lost. And for the first time in my life, even though I wasn't overweight at that time, I felt overweight. Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, that's uh, um, a difficulty for so many people that even though they're not overweight, they 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 feel like they are. Absolutely, and I mean, I don't think you can look at somebody and and not know them and and say how they feel about their weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of, I mean, I think with an eating disorder, it doesn't always show on the outside, but a lot is going on internally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of it is unconscious. We don't even realise we have these fleeting thoughts that we're, we're not even aware of some of them. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't really tell you why I decided to stop eating then. Yeah. But then, of course, that then led to years of, of a struggle with food. That was the whole of my start of my struggle with food. And during that time, sometimes I had periods where I ate fairly normally. And sometimes I had periods where I ate very little. And then ultimately that turned into bulimia. Right. And if you were to look back now, why do you think that those patterns developed? Well, I think for me, it probably goes right back to when I was born. Right. I I was premature. I was um, about six weeks early, I think, five weeks early. And I was only three pounds 10. My mum had preeclampsia and she was quite seriously ill. So my whole birth was very dramatic. And they got me out of my mum as quickly as possible, rushed my mum off to emergency care and rushed me off to incubator. 
So I wasn't I wasn't breastfed. I wasn't bottle fed. I was tube fed. Right. And I wasn't held. And I, I turned into a very anxious baby. I spent my first five weeks in hospital. And when I came out, I was quite um, an anxious baby. I obviously don't remember any of this. Yeah. But my mum tells this story about how she looked after a friend's baby. Just I think it was just for 24 hours. But I did not like having this baby in the house. And my mum says she was sure she felt sure that she thought I, I thought she was going to abandon me again. So even though she hadn't actually abandoned me, yeah. she didn't see me for the first week of my life. And yeah. she didn't hold me until sometime later. Yeah. Um, and then I grew into an anxious child, which I do remember being highly, highly anxious as a child. Yeah. Then, did, did you get any help when you were younger? For No. No. Um, I mean, I was an anxious child, but I didn't have an eating disorder. But then when I was 10, my family was living in the Caribbean by then. And I was sent to boarding school in England. So my entire life changed in that moment. Everything that was familiar to me changed. And I think I actually spent my first term at boarding school in a sort of state of shock. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I went to boarding school. I would cry every night. Every night I was just so distraught and hated it. And it would, that went on for years. I don't think boarding schools are the same now. But when I went to boarding school, it was this very impersonal place. We weren't allowed toys we weren't allowed teddy we weren't allowed photos of our families we weren't allowed posters we weren't allowed music Mm. so it was kind of a bit like a prison camp Mm. so that within two years of that that's when I start I stopped eating so I think probably this is true for many people I don't think there's necessarily one thing on its own that Mm. triggers it I think it's probably a build-up of different circumstances and different contributing factors yeah, absolutely. And I remember my mother, because of the food and, you know, you were given one type of food if you didn't like it, you know, you didn't eat it and then you were starving. So my mother would give us, give me lots of biscuits and things and we would secretly, me and my friends, you know, sneak off and eat these biscuits. And I'm sure that that had, you know, another strain to the reason why I had bulimia and all the secrecy around food. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so how old were you when the bulimia raised its ugly head? Well, I think I tried one once when I was a teenager, but I actually, you know, it's actually not that easy to do. So I didn't then purge until I was actually in my very early 20s. Right. Um, And then it lasted for a couple of years. And then I got it under control just using sheer willpower. You know, I still had that desire to do it, but I wasn't. I was eating on the outside. I was eating fairly normally, actually. But inside, my body was so out of balance and I was craving food and I was wanting to overeat and I kind of held it all together. But Obviously, that doesn't really work long term. No. And then I some more stressful circumstances came up in my life. And I had a very short lived period where I was bulimic again in my mid 20s. Um, and then I saw a very good clinical psychologist and I worked with her. So even though I was no longer bulimic when I went to see her, I still had that. It was like my head was still bulimic yeah. um, in my head. And I, I worked with her for a while and it, there wasn't a moment where it just stopped, but I kind of realized that I no longer <clears throat> craved food in the same way. I no longer, I no longer wanted to behave in that way. It was like, it just wasn't a part of me anymore. And I really would like to say this to everybody, because when I was bulimic, 
I thought it was something I'd have to learn to live with or something that would just be there to some extent in me all the time. But actually, it's not. If you think back, there was probably a time when you had a fairly normal relationship with food. And it is possible to get back to that again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I totally agree with that. I never, ever, it never crosses my mind because I had bulimia for 15 years. And now it never crosses my mind to even Mm. ever think about making myself sick whatsoever or going on a big binge or anything. Yeah, it's just not something you want to do anymore. No. Oh, gosh, no. But, you know, I don't even think about it at all. It never crosses my mind. Yeah. So it really is possible to be completely free of it. Yeah. And I think that's and I think that's so important to know. I I remember I'd wake up in the morning sometimes. It was almost like I had a few moments of freedom. And then within seconds that that would kick in. Oh, no, this is what my life is like at the moment. Mm -hmm. And to everybody on the outside, my life was probably great. I had a good job. I had friends. My life seemed to be working. But of course, inside it wasn't. Yeah. So when you went to see that psychologist and you said that your head was, you're still in your head, you still had bulimia, what did that mean? What did that mean to you back then? For me, it meant that I didn't have a normal relationship with food. I still thought about food in an obsessive way. I still wanted to overeat. I still, I didn't want the wrong word, isn't it? But there was still a part of me that was, was triggering me to carry on eating, that was triggering me to want these sugary foods and things. But I wasn't necessarily acting on it. Okay. And so then when did you, after that, what happened? Because then you went on to train as a nutritionalist. Um, yes, but that actually came sometime later. Uh, so I was working in IT actually at the time. And then I, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something that felt more meaningful to me. Mm. And then at the time, I had terrible period pains. And even though, you know, your, your listeners may or may not have period pains, I think this shows how powerful food is. I mean, the doctors had said to me, the next step is an exploratory operation. And I didn't really want to go there. And I went to see a nutritional therapist, not really believing they were going to help much. But I changed my diet and she explained to me why it was happening because of the inflammation in my body. And I changed my diet. And within three months of the food, even though I was eating normally, I was low in certain nutrients. And I after that consultation, I cut out sugar completely because sugar is very inflammatory. And within three months, I never had period pains again. And I think that just shows how powerful food can be and eating healthily can be. And it wasn't like I was eating badly when I went to that consultation. But I was eating in a way that wasn't good enough for me to get rid of those period pains. So you cut sugar out. I cut sugar out. Hmm. I was low in magnesium. Um, So I, I took supplements. And also one that's that's quite important if you have any kind of eating disorder is omega-3 fats. So they're anti-inflammatory. Right. But they can also help to regulate your appetite. And many people are low in omega-3 fats. So these are the, the main sources are oily fish. Um, but they're also in things like chia seed and flax seed. Yeah. And some in green leafy vegetables. So I think it's really important to, to make sure you're getting enough of those. Yeah, yeah. And what about zinc? Yep, zinc's important too. And zinc is often people who have anorexia are often low in zinc. And so, bulimia though. And, and bulimia, yeah. 
In yeah. fact, if you're if you're bulimic, you're probably your whole body is pretty out of balance. So yeah, it's, it, and zinc is one of those really important ones. In yeah. fact, when I was training, they said to me, you know, if you don't know the answer to something, it's probably zinc. It's one of those absolutely critical ones. Oh, really? Yeah. So for somebody that has an eating disorder, yeah, that's listening to this. So what specifically, with all your knowledge now, um, what would you advise? Okay, well, I think there are some certain things that you can do. And one of them is I would say um, protein is really important because it helps stabilize your blood sugar levels. So if you are going for a long time without eating, your blood sugar levels are dropping and that can trigger you to overeat. It can trigger you to want sugary foods and carbs. If you are bulimic, your blood sugar levels are probably all over the place. Mm. So I would eat protein um, with each time you eat. Just, Just a small amount is fine. It doesn't have to be crazy amounts. And I'd also look at eating regularly, try and regulate when you're eating, because you don't want to go for too long without food. Yeah, because of the blood sugar. Yes. Dropping. Yeah. Okay. So if somebody was um, thinking about stepping on that pathway of recovery and starting to eat small amounts, so you're suggesting for them to do it regularly. Yeah, they can. Protein. Yes. And what else should they do? Okay, I think one of the really big things that contributes to um, eating in a, in a complicated way is when we're stressed. Mm-hmm. Now, that stress may be triggered by something psychological or emotional, But whatever it's triggered by, there is a biochemical component in your body. You're still releasing the stress hormone cortisol. And when you're releasing a lot of cortisol, it's part of your fight and flight response. So your body thinks you've used up a lot of energy fighting or running away, even though you haven't. And so the cortisol triggers you to want sugary and fatty foods. Yeah. Because those foods will refuel your body, replenish all that energy that you you didn't actually use up, but your body thinks you used up. Yeah. So I would say try and find a way of relaxing. It's really, really important to try and keep yourself calm if you can. And and actually having an eating disorder is really stressful. Absolutely. Because it's all you can think about. And the pressure that you put on yourself and the perfectionism. Absolutely. And, you know, there's... What relaxes one person is different from another person. Mm. But for me, I always think getting out for a walk in nature is a really, really good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And taking time out for you and doing what you feel has worked in the past to relax you or experimenting and finding what relaxes you. I think you have to experiment, but you were talking about the colouring books you're doing. Mm. And actually colouring books for adults is becoming a more a more popular thing and one of my children loves coloring books and I find it so therapeutic just sitting down and coloring with her you don't have to worry about being good at art or good or getting it right you just do it for fun absolutely and it's uh it's a great way to um really focus on what you're coloring in and the colors and the patterns and everything you can about it and keep your mind focused on that rather than up in your head and all the yeah. negativity that's flying around. 
So yeah. it's a great way to practice mindfulness. Absolutely, yeah. Keeping yourself in that present moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I always find colour itself very therapeutic. I love colour. Yeah. You know, seeing those first flowers coming out in the spring, you know, the deep purple of the crocuses, the bright yellow daffodils, there's something very uplifting about it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Breathing in that beautiful colour. Yes. That energy. Ooh, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So, um, okay, so if somebody had somebody listening has an eating disorder what would you what would you advise them um in order to help them along their pathway okay a number of things really I think first is talk to somebody for many people I didn't talk to anybody about it for years in fact not really until I was actually better apart from this clinical psychologist and one close friend um so if you can talk get if you can get professional help get professional help from from a clinical psychologist or a psychotherapist or whoever, someone that specializes in eating disorders, ideally. Yeah. But I think also it's important to find out what's going on in your body. What in your body is triggering your cravings? What in your body is triggering that desire to overeat? Now, it could be a number of different things. It could be we talked about your stress hormones. We talked about blood sugar imbalances. But chances are your appetite regulation system has also been disrupted. And that can be you actually have a system in your body that works to keep your appetite at the right level for you. But it can be overridden by a number of things. And one of them is constantly overeating. But another is things like monosodium glutamate and processed foods. So I would say for a number of reasons, it's really important to try and eat as natural a diet as possible. Right. Yeah. Okay. Also, if you're low, like we talked about omega-3 fats, if you're low in certain nutrients that can also trigger the desire to overeat. So it's really important to eat a natural, healthy diet where you're getting all the nutrients that you need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and going back to when you overcame bulimia, what were your reasons to recover? Do you know what? There wasn't one set event or one specific thing that made it happen. I just didn't want to live like that anymore. I mean, if anyone's listening, they'll know what a horrible way it is to live. Yeah. You know, it takes over your life. It takes over your mind. And you, you don't want to be living like that. And I just really, I was really determined to get out of it, but I didn't know how. And so for me, we're going back 30 odd years. And there just wasn't the help available then in the way that there is now. Yeah. Nowadays, it's more talked about. You know, if you've not, if you're hearing this podcast for the first time, join te join Kate's group. You know, this is a group dedicated to to solving eating disorders. Join that. Um, talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's understanding that you're not alone, and like you say, there's so many different avenues that you can go and um, and connect with others that have an eating disorder you know if you just go on Facebook there's many many different eating disorders sites on there on Instagram yeah for you to, to you know to find find people to to connect and hear their stories I mean absolutely because you're not alone and it's coming out more and more um you know how many people are just suffering with eating disorders yeah yeah so if you could turn back the clock to that that young you at boarding school what what would you say to her to help her to you know maybe rethink 
the um, the eating negative eating disorders patterns that she got into? Well, if I could go back and talk to my 12 year old self, I'd say don't stop eating. Don't undereat. It's going to lead to more problems in the future. It's going to lead to a whole load of problems. You know, not stopping eating is not not the way to go. Because at that point of time, I, I could have later on, it would have been hard to to change those patterns. If at the very beginning I hadn't stopped eating, if I'd found another way of dealing with my issues, yeah. then you know it could have been very different. Yeah. And it's it's talking about how you're feeling. Absolutely. Finding a friend that you can trust, maybe. Yeah. Or a parent or a sibling that you can trust that you can open up to and talk about how you're feeling and start to unravel those difficult thoughts that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. Or even, you know, if you haven't got anybody to talk to, even journaling would be a real positive key because so many of my clients, they find it so powerful to write down all of those, those struggling thoughts, feelings that they have. Yeah. Because then they can begin to let them go. I personally, yeah, I personally didn't journal because I hadn't even occurred to me to do it, honestly. But I think it would have been a really helpful thing to do. Yeah, I had a I had a five year diary when I was at boarding school. And I I must say it was um, I didn't write in great depth. It was quite monotonous when I read it now. (laughs) But I got this five year diary and I was so excited I was going to complete it every day for five years and my older brother said to me okay if you if you do complete that and write in it every day I'll give you five pounds and you know this is in the 1800s (laughs) and the five pounds was so much money to me and I was so excited and I couldn't believe it and so I did so I filled out every day for five years and then on that New Year's Eve, I went to him and I said, look, look, I finished it. I finished it. Look, tomorrow you're going to, you owe me five pounds. You owe me five pounds. And he said, well, look, Hanksy, he calls me Hanksy. Look, Hanksy, if you, if you want that five pounds, you've got to let me read the diary. Honestly, a typical older brother. (laughs) So I never did get my five pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. So anyway, so you've been working for a a number of years as a nutritionist and then you decided that you were going to write a book. So what what brought that about? What made you decide? Oh, goodness me. It's actually quite a long story. So I qualified as a nutritional therapist. Oh, it was um, 12 years ago. I literally did my final handed my final um, essays and things three weeks before my daughter was born so it was kind of a crazy cutting it to the limit yeah (laughs) and actually because I was a premature myself I was studying in London and I got my partner to come up with me for my final lectures because I thought oh no what if my baby comes early but it was it was all fine so but when I was still in training clinic I had a client who came to me to lose weight now I could only see this client twice but what happened was um we worked out this plan together for her eating and we were both quite happy with it. And she was quite excited. So she came back to see me again four weeks later. And I was really excited about seeing her again. She was this lovely lady and she came back and she'd actually gained half a stone. Oh. So, but I couldn't see her again 
but she, she had this plan, but she hadn't been able to stick to the plan. So that got me thinking, like, you know, what does someone need to stick to the plan? And, and I didn't know. Um, and I talked to a friend who was a psychotherapist. And do you know what? We, we talked about it for years and I started researching it. <clears throat> and then we decided to write a book. So we wrote every other chapter effectively. And then um, we tried to get it published, but didn't get anywhere. So we started running courses and working with people who are overweight and putting our research into practice. And um, that carried on for a couple of years. And then COVID hit. Right. And everything got more complicated and we had to absolutely simplify everything. And I realized that not everybody needed, some people need the psychological side, other people don't. Um, because once you start to bring your body back into balance, it affects, you know, it affects the hormones, the neurotransmitters, it affects your mood, everything. Yeah. So then I, I, I ran a course on my own and it was, it was really successful. I mean, it was um, people making really big changes and it was very much tailored to them finding what worked for them. So each week we looked at making one small step. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and everybody's yeah. different. So it's everyone's figuring out what, what works for you. Yeah. And for all your listeners, there's no one thing that's going to work for every, everybody. And it's going to take a bit of trial and error. Sometimes something won't work. But then if you carry on with it, then it will start to work. But just the sheer act of trying to make a change can help. Yeah. And not, and not being judgmental about yourself, not beating yourself up when something doesn't work. So let's say you decide that you're going to start the week, I don't know, with a really healthy breakfast every day. And then one day it doesn't work and you end up binging or you end up having something completely unhealthy. Learn from it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Think about what went wrong and think about how you can do it differently next time. Yeah. And actually just accept it's never going to be perfect all the time. Mm. But it was from that course that ultimately I then I then wrote the book. So my first half of the book, and this, even though my book is, it's on the surface, it looks like it's about weight loss, but actually it's about setting up the conditions in your body so you no longer crave food, setting up the conditions in your body so you no longer want to overeat, setting up the conditions in your body so you no longer store fat around your belly, so you're no longer giving your body the message to store fat. And what's contributing to this is going to be different in different people. So in part one of the book, there's a series of very short chapters, each with a questionnaire. So you can do that questionnaire and find out if that particular imbalance is relevant to you. So by the end of part one, you know if stress is contributing to your cravings, you know if blood sugar imbalances are contributing to your cravings, you know if your female hormones are playing a role. Yeah, so you it. can learn in each yeah. in each chapter. Yes. And then about you specifically. Yes, it's absolutely specifically about you. So let's say that you are you are binging. Maybe for you, stress is the key factor. But maybe for somebody else, it's because their appetite regulation or their stress hormones are are playing a bigger role. So then in part two, it's a step by step process you go through. And in each step, you tailor it to the imbalances in your body and you tailor it to your food preferences. Because let's say you've got a meat eater and a vegan. They can both bring their bodies into balance, but they're probably going to do it in very different ways. Yeah. Or if you have food intolerances, again, you have to work around that. And food intolerance is something else that can contribute to cravings as well. Right, right. So 
the whole idea whether you are overweight or whether you have an eating disorder it's a it's a process that you can follow that will help you find out about you and what works for you yeah and it's an excellent book it's called the body effect thank you (laughs) it really is it's really insightful and so helpful because you can learn about yourself yeah absolutely yeah yeah and how is the book doing do you know what? it's been a crazy crazy week it only went live on amazon um 10 days ago right and it had the number one new release for for eight days then it became an amazon bestseller and it's a bestseller it's a oh, bestseller. amazing so it has been a crazy journey and yeah and i'm loving reading all the reviews and i'm loving it that people are emailing me with their feedback it's just it's just been incredible yeah that's fantastic fantastic how exciting I'm so pleased so is there anything lastly that you would say to our our anyone listening that um that would help to motivate them and take that that step forward wherever they may may be in their recovery path oh I think So again, for everyone, it's going to be very different. And I think just living with an eating disorder is really difficult. And your life can be so much better. You can get out of it. Now, maybe there's something specific for you that is a trigger for you to recover. And if so, you know, hang on to that. Keep thinking about that. But if there is, if you're like me and there wasn't a particular trigger that was motivating you to get better... It's just you don't want to live like that anymore. Just hold in your mind that it is it absolutely is possible. Yeah. You, know, you can change it. You can you can get your life back. You can you can eat you know, normally again. Yeah. Which may only be a dream right now, but you can take those steps forward. And absolutely. You know, but and both Kate, you and my you and myself, we've both been there and we both absolutely know that it is possible to get out of that. Yes, it is. And particularly now with all the help that people can get, you know, through books, podcasts, audio books. Yeah. Online. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can I just, something just come into my head. Oh, yes. And, and I was just thinking this would be, this is something I wish I had heard many years ago, you know, when I had my own problems. And, and it relates also to what you say in your book. Um about that pause between um, the desire to binge and then actually binging. Yes, yeah. Now, if you're going to binge, I know from experience, it's going to happen. But we, we judge food by what we see more than by the feelings in our body. So what can be helpful is if you're going to binge, put everything you're going to eat on a plate, because chances are if you're binging and you're eating really fast, you've actually got no idea of what you're really eating. So put everything that you're going to eat on that plate and then sit down at a table and don't watch TV, don't have distractions, just purely focus on that plate of food. And remember, you can stop at any time if you want to, you can. But if you can't and you're going to eat it, then if you're going to eat it anyway, eat it slowly. Don't shovel it down. And you may find you can stop before you get to the end of that plate and you may not. But if you can, great. And if you can't, you've still slowed down the eating and chances are you're going to eat less. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because most of the time when we go on a binge, it's unconscious. 
and we're not we're not aware of what we're eating we're just you know shoveling it in um but by stopping and taking that time out and actually looking at the food that you're eating and eating slowly consciously then you are much less likely to to eat that whole plate of food because it'll bring you back into the conscious and you'll be aware of what you're doing yeah and also by slowing it down you get you're starting to get out of the habit of of shoveling it in of eating too fast yeah yeah that's really good advice i love that dawn well thank you very much now how how can people find you um well my website is dawnclockow.com right they can go on there or um they can email me dawn at dawncookow.com or if you can go on to you can go on to Amazon and find my book on there, just type in the body effect into Amazon and it will take you to it. And do you know what? I was I wrote this book really, it was it was aimed at weight loss, but actually it's equally valuable for people with eating disorders. But if you read it, I would love you, I'd love to hear from you, hear what you think about it. Yeah. And please, please email me. I would love to hear from you. Yeah. And how how you have learned from the questions at the end of each chapter, those powerful questions. Yeah, I'd love to hear how you've changed your life as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So would I. <laughs> you lost those. <laughs> so good. Well, Dawn, thank you so much, you know, for your honesty and, you know, all of the important, helpful advice that you've get, given. This has been excellent so thank you so much oh thank you kate oh thank you dawn so that's all for today's episode of bulimia sucks and thank you to everybody for listening and before we go make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on apple itunes so you never miss an episode and of course let us know what you think and show some love your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on apple podcasts And I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon.